All righty then. Howie, you nominated a film I'd never heard of. Yeah, and neither had I, because I was rummaging, not in my trousers as usual, <laughs> at my desk. I was rummaging in my attic slash office, and I've got this tub of DVDs. Remember oh, those yeah. things you used to buy? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And sealed in its foil still. Oh, original, like, original, original condition, was mint. First pressing. First pressing from yeah. 2005. Five. Five is the film The Magician, and it said... So you'd bought this earlier and you'd never watched it. I paid then... the price tags on it. Yeah? I don't remember buying Can it. Can I have a guess? Go on, go. Where was it from, HMV? No, FOP, a shop where I've mentioned previously, which Fop. is in Glasgow. Yeah. There was something good uh, about it. 6 99 8 99 Higher. £17? Pounds? Me. 18 99 I don't wow. remember buying this. Gosh. Did you so, steal it? That's nearly the budget of this movie. Uh, and also <laughs> nearly the box office takings, I think. <laughs> well, we can get on to that. It is a low budget thing. We said mm. the name of it, The Magician. The Magician. If you type The Magician into Google, you're going to get, get a, a few hits. A few yeah, hits. Yeah. So, so for clarification, this is The Magician by... Uh, Scott Ryan is the guy's yeah, name. who plays Ray Shoesmith. Yeah. And it's an Australian mockumentary crime mm. drama. Yes. Very odd atmosphere throughout. It's like a dark comedy that's rather awful, awkward. You kind of get drawn in and also at the same time seems like it's not really a film. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Like you said, a mockumentary, but it, it just feels so... When it starts well, it's off, such a convincing yeah. portrayal um, of the, the main guy, Ray, who... Should we walk through the plot and then we can kind of... Talk about it because a lot of stuff emerges about Ray that's interesting yes. to talk about in and, the movie. And, and what, what's interesting is they've accepted the budget of the film by using it as kind of part of the plot mm. and saying it's a, it's a student film they're making. Yeah, which, yeah, by his neighbour Max. Yeah, who's but befriended it him. By his, yeah, but it does actually start with a, a pretty big moment because he's mm. it's voice to camera, a youngish guy, shaved head. He's describing waiting for someone to arrive and he's going to give them the good news, he says. And it, it, it's, you know, it's not really clear what's going on. But then we discover we're in a garage because the garage door closes. And when it closes, suddenly he just stands up. He shoots him th uh, three times in, at short range. Bang, bang, bang. And then three times on the floor. Bang, bang, bang in the head. At this um, point, I've said to the wife and kids, look, maybe this one isn't for you. <laughs> it's like... Um, <laughs> It's sort of a it's it's very much uh, somebody who's done this before. It's a military style hit, bang yeah. bang bang, bang, and, it, bang, bang. and it's not glamorized in a film footage way. It's, no, the, the illumination comes from a crappy light. That most of it actually comes from the gun as it's well. It's muzzle flash, yeah. yeah. And it's not like amplified gun sounds. It's just true to life, mm. horrible. It almost sounds like a cap gun, but actually, mm. if you ever hear real-life gunshots on film, oh, they do often sound. The main streets of St. Mary. Yeah. No, but they don't sound like the thuddy, <laughs> no, no, deep no. noises, yeah. you know, if you ever hear them in, like, viral videos and whatnot. They're cracks more than anything. Anyway, and then we're in the, th in, in the car with the guy, and we're listening to the radios, listening to, like, uh, late-night chat, and he's talk talking to camera. Yeah, really calm. And it, it, it's, it cuts a lot, doesn't this film? Mm. You, you get moments of... And I thought it was going to be as violent as this all the way through. So straight away, I'm biting my nails and thinking off. But it, it's not like that the whole way through. It just gives you a, a taste of who this guy is hmm. and the kind of yeah. character. There's and sort then, of three main storylines and it's interspersed with him talking to camera, basically. So yeah. like you say, you get to know him. Uh, and there's two storylines that sort of mirror each other. 
and then a, a separate one in the middle that just goes to show you a bit more about how Ray operates. Yeah, he's a, he's a very strange mix of, Dan alluded to it, you think it's going to be vo- super violent, but he has that volatility, but he has a level of charisma. Mm. So, so he's, it's not a lock stock, oh, he's a bit of a rough diamond sort of thing. He is either, he has this horrible kind of take on the world because of, well, no, it's never really explained. Although you you understand his past is that of he was in the army. Yeah. I think that was his past. Yes. And but at the same time he talks with genuine endearment of the fact that once Max, the cinematographer or documentary maker, talks to him to say you've got a daughter. Oh yeah, yeah, blah. And he and he shows that Well, no, that's Tony. That's Tony also has a daughter. Yeah. We pick Tony up, he's following this guy. Tony, he's looking at him out there, he's smoking a cigarette, he's uh they're just having um he farts and he asks the guy, did you get that <laughs> on the yeah, thing? Yeah. And they're all laughing. He's talking about buying surgical gloves in bulk and how much cheaper it is to do that. And then he, he follows the guy, Tony, yeah. outside a multi-story car park and he sort of coerces him to get into the car. Well, he forces him with a gun. He makes him put on handcuffs, doesn't he? And uh, he puts him in the... Oh, well, that, then it cuts out that. We don't actually know yeah. what happens to Tony, do we? He puts no, him in the not, car. not at this stage. So, But we, we learn that you know, we've we've got a hitman, yeah, whose whose neighbour is filming him as he's at work. He wants Unf- it unfiltered. He wants it documented in case he dies. Yeah, he, that's what he's. Yeah, that's well, that comes out at the end, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Once, but they, you know, it's just introducing all the central characters. Yes. So he's abducted this guy Tony. That's a job for him. He's also met this guy Ben, who yeah, he's Benny, told yeah. to run out of town. He's supposed to take him out to Sydney. He's not supposed to be in town. He's defaulted. Is he talked to the cops? No. He's questioning him. He's got this way of like being very jovial one minute and then being very menacing. In yes. it, it reminded me. Not so much about the performance, but tonally a bit like Dead Man's Shoes or something mm. like that. Yeah. Um, in that air oh, of he menace. Can fl- he can flip a, a switch, you know. Yeah. He's the kind of guy you do not mm. know what you're going to say, how he's going to react to that. And he tells the Benny, most part, he? The, the communication between the cameraman and him is very friendly and he seems more than comfortable with the fact that he's seeing this guy doing super violent things. He doesn't ever seem to be fearing for his own safety too much. I think he understands the the lines and the expectations that he has. And so he's at times really kind of probing and questioning and, and, and almost taking mm. the piss out of him a well, little bit. Yeah, um, well, it, which that, I thought was dangerous. Well, you know? it's particularly dangerous. There is a scene where I was thinking, oh God, it was so tense where he's questioning whether Clint Eastwood was in. Oh, this is amazing. I loved yeah. this scene. Uh, it's when they're driving dozen. along with Tony. So yeah. after they've he's threatened Ben and sent him off to Sydney, it, we cut cut, back. cut back to the other story that started with this guy Tony being abducted, and they're chat. It's Max and and Ray are in the car having this conversation about the Dirty Dozen, and he's saying Clint Eastwood was in the Dirty Dozen, and they get it's a really funny scene because he mm. stops the car and he gets the guy out of the boot, <laughs> and he's like, was was. Clint Eastwood in the Dirty Dozen. Lee Marvin was in it. Going for uh, yeah, he's going all the names. He's going, no, Clint wasn't in it. He's not fucking happy about it. <laughs> and he still goes, well, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. What do you ask him for then? <laughs> he opens the boot. It's brilliant. He says, if you, he just opens the boot. He says, have you seen the Dirty Dozen? The guy goes, the movie. He's like, no, the fucking musical. <laughs> yeah. He's really pissed off when he says that Clint Eastwood wasn't in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's interspersed then with shots of, of Ray then talking about, it's another time, but he's talking, he's saying the cops can't track anything if they don't find a body. So there's this implied menace where he's talking about 
the mechanics of his profession yeah. very sort of coldly and openly. It's quite chilling. And every so often he's dr- well, you keep thinking every so often Tony in the yeah. car is going to be bumped off in a field. Well, he eventually yeah, takes yeah. him out and he makes him dig his own grave. And mm-hmm. Tony isn't a very good actor considering that's what he's trying to do, <laughs> dig his own grave. Eventually, Tony tries to bribe him off. He says he's got 80 grand in cash stashed at his father's farm in Sydney. So then they end up on this bizarre road trip. Where he gives him his pants. Not before, because Tony has got a bit scared, he's pissed himself. <laughs> So he won't let him in the car. So Max then decides I to give him, him his, his underwear. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is as silly as it sounds in the middle of this, like, really terrifying scene. And, yeah, and that's because he has a little bit of sympathy for, for him and he knows that he gets claustrophobic in the back of the car mm. and he goes, look, just let him sit in the back. And he, he allows him to do this. And he's, again, I was just thinking how kind of brave the, the camera guy was to to go and mm. sort of probe and keep asking even mm. though he'd made it clear he wasn't he wasn't comfortable doing it but he did and they they kind of all roll off they even stop and get something to eat at some point mm. and that guy's going you know he has a good think about what he wants he wants a bit oh, of garlic on it he wants you know for for somebody who's just been digging his own gray orders what sounds like the girliest drink of all time <laughs> like it's iced coffee but full of milk and sugar and all sorts <laughs> yeah. of stuff yeah. yeah it's it's a funny moment and as you um, say there's these two kind of stories so he abducts kind of two people or he's he's been told to you know get rid of two people yeah and it's, and, in, it's interspersed with, yeah, a, with a third one about a stolen piece of hi-fi equipment that yeah, max so has said this shows the bond between max yeah. and and ray and it shows a bit of that about their relationship and he knows who's stolen some stuff from his flat it's a junkie called edna yeah uh that used to live with him so they go round to visit Edna and he's, he promises, he says, just go and talk to him. That's all. So Ray sort of No violence. Up. No, no violence. violence. It's really well shot, this, because it you can't see it, but you can, the way it's framed, you can see a little bit inside the house and you can see Ray and you can see them talking. It's really fucking obvious he's just been told to piss off, basically. Mm-hmm. So he comes back to the car and he's smiling and he's like, right, now we're going to do it my way. Yeah. And he takes a baseball bat. He's got this kind of Travis Brickle look, isn't he, mm. with with the glasses, the shaved yeah. head, and everything. He hasn't got the the mohawk, but he's he's otherwise a, a mean kind of looking character. But he's not he's, especially big, though. Is no, he? No, he carries big. himself. He's got that kind of smile and that look in his eyes that just says, "I'll fucking do anything." Like yeah. you know, I, I am not thinking about anything other. Well, than- we see that in this yeah. scene because he walks back. Max promises he says, "Do the least amount of violence possible." <laughs> yeah, and so he rings the doorbell, and the door opens. It's the same shot we saw before from the conversation. As soon as the door opens, it just hits the whoever it is with a baseball bat, and then you see their feet at the floor and. The feet are kind of dragged in like you're in a horror movie and the door shuts and then it cuts to them piling out with his equipment and... uh, Apologising to say say sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he... I think he says the value of these goods perhaps doesn't match what you stole. So he promises a grand or something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's got to give him two grand in one week. Mm. Um, and which... then kind of interspersed with that as well, we get him commenting on the war on drugs, which is a sort of central thing because this is, he works kind of, he's a hitman for the drug agent, you know, for the drug trade. Mm. Yeah. And he's talking about how pointless it is. He's arguing for the decriminalization of all drugs, uh, but it's not in a sort of, it's not a compassionate thing or a societal thing. It's just about uh, all it's going to do is thin out the dickheads. Yeah. Is what he says. <laughs> you deserve to die if you take heroin is, is literally what he says. Yeah. Yeah. If you're dumb enough to do that, he says you're mm-hmm. dumb enough to die. So he doesn't give a fuck either way. Um, 
Yeah, and and then we we've got this scene where you really don't know if he's going to kill this guy or not because they get to the the father's house and he's he it turns out the 80 grand oh, is Oh well, actually... so, hang on, just before they get there, they have this really weird scene where right basically it sounds like they're fucking and it's dark. Did you remember this? And he's and then it it goes in and he's doing sit-ups. Yes. <laughs> And because at one point, even when it when it's dark, he goes, "Oh, I think my balls are hanging out." Because a few times there is a really weird sexual relationship or sexual interest implied between the clearly homosexual Max, who's the film student, and Ray. Yeah, because he talks to him about Mardi Gras, and then there's this scene at the hotel with the three of them where Tony's trying to convince Max to let him go, and then they have a weird conversation about. They have a conversation where he says, "It's weird if you try and sleep naked." Would you, if we were in a bed, I would think that was weird. Yeah, I've known I would. All of you a long time. If you said you wanted to sleep naked next to me, I would think that was weird. Peter Andre of this podcast always sleeps naked. So if you share a room with Pete, he sleeps naked. <laughs> he sleeps naked. Yeah, yeah. True. That's true. That's that's true story. Yeah. Right. I always snuggle up to him. And what? And you can't. If you're in the room with Pete, you can't say that makes you know me a little I, bit I, uncomfortable. No, no I wouldn't have a problem. He just in overpower the room. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't have a problem with nudity in the room. It's if they're sharing a bed. I wouldn't want to share a bed yeah, with another man. That's what I mean. That's yeah, what I mean. I, I, I'd be like, why? Are you? I think I'd feel a little bit. Am I? You're all looking at me like I'm weird now. I'm weird, am I? So because I well, feel play, a bit yeah, we're all like shared change rooms and stuff. It's just yeah, yeah but just yeah, no. Get, what, getting into bed does, together naked is is probably um, a bridge too far. Well, yeah, who was what, in the room? Well, I won't put this in. But who was in the room with Sways <laughs> when he was like? Was it Norm? Sways just got his leg on like towelling himself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought you were describing with Pete, though. That it's like yeah. as soon as he gets in the room, like all the clothes come off, and he's just yeah, like, and he starts around. just trying to bite his own toenail. Tonight is your night. <laughs> Call me novels, darling. I've exposed myself as being a bit weird about it. Then, now. yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think it's weird. I think I, it's. I, I think it's. it's no one really wants to see Pete naked. I mean. <laughs> particularly when you don't know people that well, and you're you're sharing a room with one other guy who's handcuffed down there, and yes. wearing your boxer shorts. It was a weird one just to get into bed naked and and well he starts saying it's weird to the cameraman he's like i lent you my boxer shorts piss and it is really it's another funny scene but anyway yeah so they you were going to say dan um, fo- they go following off. that they they find the 80 grand which isn't 80 grand it's well it's 80 grand it's as good as 80 grand because it's pure uncut coke or half a kilo half a, and he, you get into this plea bargaining situation where yeah, he's pleading I, with I him i feared the worst yeah. there for, for mm. this guy because he didn't seem to be the kind of man that wanted to be tricked in in any way shape or form but he he lets him go doesn't he he lets him go lets him run down the lane i still wasn't sure even when he was halfway down the lane whether he was going to shoot him in the back yeah or they were going to follow him in the car or or whatever was it immediately after this there's a little interlude screen that says he returned to it or is that at the very end no it was there was yeah it just says he returned to his estranged wife and all that sort of stuff yeah because he's now living with his daughter daughter and wife again yeah in melbourne or or sydney or wherever it was because there was a scene earlier where we'd already learned that ray has a daughter that he's kind of estranged from and so did tony and he's trying to connect with him in the car it's the scene where they're doing the food yeah and uh, he doesn't want to connect at all but until he says what car what car oh, yeah. do you want? And he's straight away engaged into that. He's like Porsche Turbo 
four wheel drive, like straight away engaged one. in it. Yeah. Yeah. He wants a Commodore, yeah. Yeah. Hold, as a Holden, that's a fucking proper Mad Max car, though. Yeah. Just shows how sort of disconnected but he is. Th- anyway. That other kind of story that's similar doesn't end in such a, a positive way. And it's almost his mate. He was a guy ben that he'd mm. known um, for a little while and he'd given him a chance to get out of town. Then he found him again in Melbourne and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right, look. We're, we're, we're getting out of here now. Where do you want to go? Right now. We're not fucking around. Right now you want to go. And he says it's, to him, it's quite a, a chilling scene, isn't it? As they, as well, they drive it, it isn't, it isn't to begin with because they stop and they go for a shit. And then they yeah. have that conversation about eating shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just bizarre. It, it's a good question because he it's it's a question he raises is would you how much would you eat your own shit for and i think he says 100k no he, he, says, he how says how much would, much would you eat, eat my of, shit? a bowl of shit for and <laughs> then he asks uh, yeah. whose shit my shit <laughs> yeah. my shit's a lot different than your <laughs> shit and he goes do you know, agree with that bowl. would you like because well, he definitely. says 100k yeah. for your own shit and 500k for it so oh yeah, yeah. That, I'm, I'm not agreeing with the price but i'm agreeing that you know <laughs> certainly, if not, I certainly ab- not aussie dollars if yeah, I yeah. absolutely I don't know how much that is. It's about 30,000 30, 30, 30 quid. quid, is it? 30 quid. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Britain. Um, Plus inflation. But yeah, no, if if you're absolutely forced to eat a bowl of shit, you want it to be your own shit, not somebody else's shit. I don't know. No, oh, what? No, you oh, you take if someone said you've got two bowls of shit, your own or someone else's. Depends, though. Depends when what you've eaten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd be capable of eating any shit. No. Anyway, what a horrible conversation, but mm-hmm. it's funny when they do well, that, that's That's what the filmmaker says, isn't it? He goes, I wouldn't eat any shit anyway. And he's kind of tricked him into saying, yeah. I would eat shit for a thousand, uh, 100k or whatever. Yeah. And then your man gets out of, Benny gets out of Well, he goes off a for a shit. He comes back and he hasn't got his jacket because he used it to wipe his ass. <laughs> and that's then, a hell of a wipe. And yeah. then three seconds after that, he's dead. Yeah. Because he's walked in front and he's just... He's just it's the same hit sort of military style hit that we saw at the beginning. Yeah. It's brilliantly done because they do it all in camera. So because it, the guy, Ray, just steps across the frame probably for less than a second and the guy's got to apply a blood patch or release something on his back because it looks very effective, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know how much this movie was made for, but... Three grand. Three grand. This is honestly well, like the kind of thing where when you've got a charismatic lead like this, it like it's inspiring, I think, for filmmakers because hmm. it's... And this just guy hadn't acted before either. I mean, it was just a case of necessity putting himself in front of the camera because he wanted to make a film and he's on a on a hell of a budget and everything. So I thought that was, you know... Yeah, I was a bit confused because it was... You're right, it was three grand. But was that... Because there was an original just half-hour version. I was looking at that. It's 300 three grand, grand grant. And then it got a 300,000, 330,000 government grant to make it into the full film. I think the 300,000 went towards... Re-edit, yeah. They, post-production, they put some and then marketing. In. They put a couple of extra scenes in as okay. well. I heard. Well, I was going to say at the very end, you get like a goodbye piece mm. where he says to him, "Take care, blah blah blah." Only released. Does he state at this point that Pucci returned to his home planet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he he does. No, it's it's quite it's grim because mm. he's sort of being grim about his own death. He says, "You'll only." It's basically this will only come out when I die. That's the agreement. Yeah, and and so we get to see that and assume then then. He's, he's, he's dead. dead. Yeah. So when he walks um, off into the crowd outside Victoria Station, I think. Yeah, Victoria something like that. And there's, a, there's a, another little kind of tying up scene, isn't there, where it just says, or, or notice it says that he was shot dead outside his home or, or whatever, six months later. Mm. Yeah, something like Now, the thing I was reading about this was it was pretty much unscripted. Really? Yeah, and that they found it. That's why a lot of it had to be re-edited. 
and cut because Max, the filmmaker, struggled with some of the quips and lines that mm. Ray came out with at times. So a lot of it was unscripted, and that's why it seemed quite... You could say, looking now that you know that, you can go, oh, yeah, it does seem quite awkward. But I think the awkwardness came because the scene was calling for it like it was quite tense or it was overbearing or it was comically funny like the fart gag and things like that so yeah so that's what apparently the write-up does about it i'd never heard of this had you heard of this no before? I, i'm surprised because this was right up my alley there's I... also uh, a tv series spin-off based on um i've seen clips of it based on ray um, mr in between mr yeah mr or the in betweeners as it was when it came out <laughs> <laughs> briefcase wanker no, this it, is great it just... because it's character study stuff isn't it because you don't warm to this guy but you do understand him and he makes you laugh and uh, yeah it's it was it just it would wouldn't work if he scott ryan wasn't so unbelievable in the, I, the he, he was he was superb it it did smack a, um to me of a, a film called uh, man bites dog yeah which uh, was an earlier, I think, Belgian, Belgian, French Belgian film. Yeah. And it followed a documentary film crew as they follow a, a serial killer. It's all in black and white, this yeah. one. And there, the, then the idea, I mm. don't know whether he's seen this. It or goes very absurd, that one, though, doesn't it? Because they meet another serial killer who's also making a documentary <laughs> as well. It's a bit of a different... I preferred the sort of grounded character study, in a way, of this. I, this was like a real surprise to me. It, it, was, it was bizarre that you found yourself, well, I did, agreeing with his sentiments about the killing of Benny. I've, I've enabled it so that there'll be no suffering. It was going to happen, so I've done it. It's like I've put him out of his misery. It's, it was straight, and you're like, "Oh yeah, he has." Fuck, I can't agree with that. There's a lot of that sort of psychopathic thinking that ends up having good values come out of it, sort of accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he he knows if if somebody he's been told to make a hit on turns up again six months later, then his reputation and his own hmm. life is. Is fucked. fucked as well, yeah. you know. So he is mostly about mercy in his mind. Though. Yeah, well, he toy he toys with it and he plays with it in his mind. You can see he's he's really you know torn between letting him go and and not letting him go. But then, no, I, I don't think he is actually. Well, well, I didn't think he was, but he he does let one of the guys go, doesn't he? Yeah, different circumstances. And, yeah, so it made me think that he must have been thinking about he given this guy a chance previously and i think exactly. that's what mm. that's what kind of signed his own death sentence really that the fact that he turned up again and he, he wasn't going to get away twice great one howie your pick from 2005 dvd collection i've no recollection of getting it buying it i'm now going to use that as my midweek store We've probably, I, I know we've got a few Australian listeners. They probably know all about this film, I assume. So yeah. I would, we I would, finally caught on 17 years later. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's one of those films I think will continue to find an audience because of the subject matter, because of the way that it's been filmed. Although it's, it was obviously a budget thing. It had that Blair Witch kind of. That's what I just said. It looks like Blair Witch. Yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of feel about it. So there, there's a pace. There's a there's an anxiety. Just the 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 camcorder and the way that it's filmed brings to the to the film and the performances, particularly from the hitman from mm. Scott Scott Ryan. I thought he's brilliant. I thought he just it's got one of those all, faces, um, real star quality. It's not all jerky stuff, though. No, it it's is no. well framed. A lot of the core sequences are very well like choreographed, considering it's single ropey camera and yeah. like, often just two actors in the frame. That's right, yeah. Mm. Check it out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 